our small mission group from that it helped with a VBS in Marlington, West Virginia, has returned home, and it was a tremendous, tremendous vacation Bible school. Just a quick reminder, this is a little small church in what was formerly a mining town that really there's a lot of poverty there and a low population of people, and so we intentionally take only a small team each year, and it means the world to this little congregation. Many of the ones that, that started when they were three years old with our group in VBS are now 13 years old. And it's pretty neat that they have grown up in a sense with those from Mount Juliet. Uh, here are just a few pictures and, and there's a lot of details that probably should be given, but for time's sake I won't. But I'll just mention to you that this year on Wednesday night, of the Vacation Bible School, there were 83 in attendance. Now that doesn't mean much to you, think about this. That's with 40 kids and 43 adults. Last year, there were only 50 in attendance on Wednesday evening, and their Sunday morning attendance as a church family is 18 to 20 with only five kids. So when they had 40 kids in attendance, it's, it's amazing how many from the community come year after year and, and a lot are being reached. Their, their normal Wednesday night attendance uh, is six. And, and so to have uh, 83, you can imagine the encouragement that that is to have brothers and sisters in Christ coming and investing in them as a congregation and in their community. And we give God all the glory for that, but I just wanted to share that with you in hopes that uh, it, it makes you feel excited. Tonight is kind of like the night before Christmas. There's not much more exciting than Vacation Bible School, and it begins in the morning. And we are excited. We're thankful that our, our children are excited. We're thankful that there's so many adults that are excited. We're so excited. We're having a kickoff tonight of Kona Ice. We do ask you to only visit the Kona Ice truck once. We ask you to visit once. Uh, did you hear that? We asked you to visit once. John Michael says we have enough Kona ice to supply your need, but not your greed. And so uh, keep that in mind, and we appreciate uh, that opportunity. And we look forward to just visiting together and, and enjoying the Kona ice. I can't uh, bypass this opportunity uh, for us to begin tonight in prayer and to be praying specifically about our Vacation Bible School, and then we'll go into this lesson uh, and, and, and continue our study and, and continue uh, this service. Let's bow. Our most gracious God, from the depths of our heart, we thank you for our children. You have blessed our lives richly with the gift of children. As a congregation, uh, you have given us beautiful and wonderful children that love you and they love learning about you. And we feel a heavy weight of responsibility to raise them in such a way to point them back to you, their creator. And God, this week you will give us the opportunity to touch a lot of lives and a lot of kids that probably don't go to church anywhere. And God, we pray for wisdom. Our prayer is that in this short time that we will be with these kids this week, that they will see how much we love you and help them love you. That they'll see how much we love your holy word and we'll help them love your holy word. God, please give us wisdom to know how to let these children know that we love them. 
Please help them to leave here knowing how much your family, your church loves them. God, we pray for patience. We pray for perseverance when we get tired, when we get hot, when a child acts up, even when an adult acts up. God, please give us the ability to turn the other cheek. Give us the ability to go the extra mile. God, we pray that we will look like you in everything that happens this week. God, we thank you for the many, many, many adults that have already given so much and they will give so much more this week. And God, our prayer is that we'll never lose focus of what this is all about and that we will give you the glory and that the seeds that will be planted this week will in some powerful way pay eternal dividends. And it's through your son's holy name we pray and amen. Last week we began a lesson and I would like to briefly review with you some things about suffering that we covered and then we're going to spend the rest of our time tonight talking about evil. In other words, if there is a loving, all-powerful, all-knowing God, why would he allow us to suffer? Why would he allow evil into the earth? Why would he allow sickness? Why would he allow death? Why would he allow hurricanes? I'm not suggesting to you that I can answer all of these things to satisfy your curiosity, but I do suggest to you that the things that God does address, we should at least learn those as we seek to find God's will in our lives. It's interesting to think about George Barna when he asked the question, if you could ask God one question and know that he would give an answer, what would you ask? And the number one question question was, why is there pain and suffering in the world? It's not wrong for us to ask God why. The problem is, is whenever we ask why and turn our back on God. And so why does God allow us to suffer? If we went to God and we approach God, what answers would God give about suffering? Well, one thing that we find out very early in scriptures, as a matter of fact, by Genesis, the third chapter is that God made us to be agents of choice. We have free will given to us. He could have made robots. He could have made some kind of living being that had to do his will. And, and, and therefore it would have been very robotical, but he didn't. He made us with choice. And along with choice comes the choice to do things that are good or to do things that's not. Also along with choice comes the opportunity to share in relationships. We can choose God and we can choose a relationship with him or we can choose not to have a relationship with God. Also, because he made us this way, we get to experience emotions. When someone chooses us, oh, we get all excited and we go home and we call our best friend and we say, hey, she likes me. She said she likes me. Or we also feel great emotions of pain whenever we get rejected. You see, all of this, when we think about God making us with free will to choose, comes all of this range of opportunity to relationship, opportunity of choice, opportunity of emotion, opportunity of pain, opportunity of happiness, opportunity of tears, opportunity of laughter. And we could go on and on. There's a lot to think about in that. But just know when we talk about suffering, a huge part of why we are allowed to suffer is because we're made with choice. Now we look to the fact that a lot of people think that A plus C is how it is, or A equals C. A 
is what happens to us in our life, and so therefore C is our life. That's just not true. We fail sometimes to recognize how powerful B is. What happens to us, A, plus how we respond. Now we're back to you are an agent of choice, an agent, a free will agent. You can choose how you will respond to what happens to you. That is what makes up our life. We use the example of Viktor Frankl, who was a great psychologist, and, and he spent time as a Jew in concentration camps. And he said, between the stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is the power to choose our response and our response lies our growth and our freedom. Look, he was not the one that came up with that. God designed us that way. In a sense, we all are holding a remote control of our life and at any given time, if we want, we can press pause and we can say, okay, that, that just happened to me. I can press pause and I can step out and instead of handling this horizontally, I can handle this vertically. Instead of just reacting to it, I can press pause and say, God, how would you want me to respond to this? That's a choice that every one of us has. And so when we think about this, why suffering, we mentioned last week the fact that one reason why we suffer, we suffer is because we're on a temporary earth and we're living in a temporary body. I know in one sense, most of us will say, well, that's not good news. Call it whatever you want, but it's a fact. Nobody on this earth, nobody right here in this room is going to be alive 105, 110, 120 years from now. Nobody. We're on a temporary earth in a temporary body. That's one reason why we experience suffering. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, Paul addressed that a lot. He talked about this earthly body being like a tent and he talked about as long as we're in it, we groan. In verse four, he mentions that again, that in this tent we groan. But you know what? We even get to choose how we respond to living on a temporary earth. We mentioned last week, Psalm 90 and verse 12, he said, teach us to number our days that we'll gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, how are you gonna respond? Are you gonna realize, you know what? I only have a certain number of days. I might all want to be wise with them. They're limited. It's like, do you go out and just blow money and act like there's no end and then you're bankrupt? You know, a lot of people do that with their life. They go out and they live their life and, and they act like they're going to live forever and that there's nothing over in eternity. How foolish is that? There is something over in eternity. And what we need to do is number our days and be wise with them. We looked at that out of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, where he says that... We are to redeem the time because the days are evil. And notice this, he says, therefore do not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What about in the limited number of days that we have, our choice to respond is, I wanna find out what God's will is for me in the number of days I have left. Listen, I won't say anything more important to you tonight than that. That's a fact for every one of us. We have a limited number of days left. The best way we can use those days is say, I wanna find God's will for me in however many days that I have left, period. If we can accomplish that, we'll have a life of wisdom that is spoken of. And so we do have the choice of how to respond. We truly can affect the bee. And so when we think about why suffering, we talked about bad choices and we looked at Galatians the sixth chapter. And in Galatians the sixth chapter and verse seven, whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. So if you put bad seeds in the ground in your life, you're gonna have a harvest that will eventually bring pain into your life. It's a fact. Now, am I saying that every, every pain you have in your life is because you have sinned? No. Remember when, when the apostles looked at the man that was blind in John the ninth chapter, they assumed that every time something bad happened, that it was directly related to that individual's sin. And so they said it this way, has this man sinned or has his parents sinned? And, and Jesus corrected them and said, neither one of their sins has brought this upon this man. 
And so I'm not saying to you, God's not saying to you, every pain you experience in your life is because of your sin. It's a fact. Now, do you and I have some pain in our life because we have sinned and it brings negative consequences? Absolutely. Every one of us. But you know, also we sow and we reap much greater than what we sow. So therefore, also some pain in our life is because of other people's sin. And so that of bad choices, our bad choices, other people's bad choices, brings a lot of suffering into the lives of individuals. Now, I'll mention on this next slide again, the temporal aspect of our life and, and Ecclesiastes 12 and verse five, we've already talked about this a little bit, but I'll mention it again. Notice man goes to his long home and the mourners, that's talking about in this passage, he's talking about the man that's just died. The man that's just died, he goes on to his long home, but the mourners go back to the streets. And that's a good description of what happens on this earth. We live here for a little while, we leave this earth and we go to our eternal existence. And the mourners, they feel the pain and they stay on this earth experiencing that pain for a while. I don't know if that was helpful because it was so fast, but that is a review as we think about just some things about why do we suffer. But oftentimes when it's asked, it's confused as if it's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. And that is, if there's a loving God, why does he allow evil? Well, please realize that all evil will produce an amount of suffering, but not all suffering is evil. Okay? Not all suffering is evil. As a matter of fact, it would be good for us to just spend a few moments and think about what evil is and what evil is not. Number one, I'd like to suggest to you that evil is not something you simply don't like. Now I say this with, uh, with compassion and respect, but, but let's state some facts here, okay? You get what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be callous toward anybody. Cancer is not evil. A hurricane is not evil. A car wreck is not evil. Just because you don't like it doesn't make it evil. Just because whatever it is causes suffering doesn't mean that it's evil. I'm just trying to help you define things here. Evil is the aspect of sin against God. Evil is to live contrary to the will of God. And so there are things that are intrinsically evil. They are evil in and of themselves. And then, yes, evil in a sense can have an instrumental value where there could be something that's not evil intrinsically, but you could take it and you could do something bad with it. And then in a sense, it becomes evil, but only instrumentally, not intrinsically. Now, if that last phrase, if you said, okay, I kind of followed that, but it kind of got a little cloudy. You remember the illustration that Ralph Gilmore used, and this is a couple of years ago, I've heard him use it here, and, and you've probably even heard this other. There, there's a real easy way to kind of define intrinsic and instrumental that usually when you hear it this simple, you're like, that makes sense. You notice I have a gold wedding band, and, and if you can see it up close, it's really not that big, and it's kind of as plain as it gets, okay? If I went down to a jeweler and I said, hey, I, I would like to sell you my wedding band. Well, to the jeweler, it's, it's going to be just an intrinsic value. 
It is what it is. I guess the jeweler would take and weigh it. And I don't, I haven't sold jewelry lately. And so run with me. I don't know what he would say, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if he didn't weigh it and say, you know what? I, I, can, I can only give you $50 for it. I, I don't know. It, we wouldn't sell for a lot. And so even if you said 75, whatever. Okay. And, and so let's just say he said $50. That's the intrinsic value of it. Now, what if you come and try to buy this band from me for $50? What do you think I'm going to say? Because of what this represents. Instrumentally, this, this ring reminds me of 28 years ago. It reminds me of vows that were exchanged. I look down at it on a regular basis and, and it reminds me of the relationship that, that Tracy and I share in. And so... I don't have to tell you that if you walked up to me and said, hey, hey, I'll even give you $60 for it. Well, you know that the instrumental value of this is, is not going to be anywhere close to the intrinsic value. You know, you could come up and say, what about 500? I say, I don't know. And you say, what about 5,000? I say, now we can talk. I can get another band. No, but, but even at that, even, even at that, the, the intrinsic value is going to be so far separated from the instrumental value. That might help you to understand when we talk about evil, there, there is the idea of evil that it's always evil. It's, it is evil, it's intrinsic in and of itself. That's what it is. Now, just a little side note, and, and I, 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 don't, I don't ever wanna to be like, sound like um, uh, th that I'm tacking someone. I'm not doing that here. I, I don't want to sound like that I'm not mindful of someone. And so just try to listen to this carefully to get the end of this, this thought here. Atheists enjoy debating Christians over the existence of a loving God based on the topic of evil. But the problem of us even having an intellectual discussion on that matter is that really... For us as brethren, an atheist doesn't have a leg to stand on to define evil. Because evil is a violation of the will of God. So if you do not believe that there is an almighty God, then you can't have the same understanding of evil that we have. You know, we use the expression, well, well you know, you're not talking apples to apples here. Well, that's always what's going to happen whenever a Christian talks to an atheist about evil. You're, you're not anywhere close to the same page because they could get their definition of evil from a thousand sources. It's just whatever randomly they may feel at the moment, whatever culture says at the moment, you could go on and on of where they might gather their identity of evil. But for us as Christians, if we truly are living a reflection of the will of God, for us as Christians, God sets the standard of evil. And that evil would be a sin against his will. And remember James 1 and 13, he made it very clear that God would never tempt any of us with evil. So let's think for just a moment as we've spent a little bit of time thinking about what it is, what it's not. It's just, it's not something that you don't like it, so therefore it's evil. What it is, it, it's a violation of the will of God. So what does that leave us on this earth and why would God allow it to exist? I'd like for you to think about this earth as a great place to grow. This earth is a temporary place where we are given a probational period. And during this period, we have the opportunity 
to make a decision, you have choice about where you want to spend eternity. You can decide if, if you want to be a spiritual person. You can decide if you want to be a child of God. You get to make choices. You can decide if you want to spend eternity with God or apart from God. This is a time that in the midst of suffering, in the midst of being confronted with evil, you get to choose if you will grow in your relationship with God or if you will not grow in your relationship with God. Think about suffering and evil as it relates to this. And let's read James the first chapter in verse two. James the first chapter, we're gonna read two or three verses here. James one and verse two says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. So we have various trials that we go through. This trial could be an opportunity for us to be tested and we remain faithful during it. So therefore our faith grows in the midst of the trial. But what if this trial instrumentally becomes evil? Because you go through the trial and you decide that you get so angry at God that you shake your fist at God and you turn your back on God and you leave God. Well, what you have just done was evil. And in a sense, this trial has become an instrument, if you will, to provide you the opportunity to live in that evil way. You remember back several years ago, there's Biosphere 2. And in this particular um, place, there was a, there, there was an experiment where the idea was scientists were creating an artificial environment that what if we could one day live under the ocean? What if one day we could live in outer space? Could we create an environment where people could live day after day for an extended period of time? And so there were several individuals that went in Biosphere 2 and they lived for two solid years and they never left. And during this time, they would, would simulate different like weather patterns and, and et cetera. But one thing that they failed to do, just didn't think about doing, I suppose they didn't think about it, uh, was they did not mimic strong winds. And so in the, in the greenhouse uh, effect, the trees and the plants grew so quickly and they grew so strong because it looked like the perfect environment. You see where I'm going with this? I'm asking you, what's a perfect environment for you to grow? And so they created what looked like a perfect environment and everything just seemed to thrive and grow so fast. But because there were no winds, some of the trees would grow really strong and then just begin to break. And the scientists were studying, like, why is this happening? We're giving them a perfect environment and, and it's just, they're growing strong and just breaking over. And what they figured out was the little sapling as it was growing had no hard winds to stress it. It had no storms to make it strong. And so it grew what appeared to be beautiful and strong, but the truth is, it wasn't really beautiful if you look at it for the long haul because it broke and it wasn't strong, it was brittle. A loving father that looks down upon you and he knows what you need. Every one of us, we need some trials in our life. Every one of us, we need some pain in our life. 
Every one of us, we need a measure of some things to push through if we are to grow strong and if we are to develop. Now, I know from an earthly human standpoint, it's easy for us to look at that and say, well, that's just not a great environment. Well, it depends what you look at this probational period for. If you look at this time on this earth, just you're hoping to find a perfect, painless dwelling place on earth, you're going to constantly be disappointed. But if you're looking for a place where you can grow stronger and stronger and stronger, God has created that environment. You can grow stronger and stronger here. Now, we're not going to go on a little side note for, for a long time and even develop it. We're not going to do that. But if we were, we could develop now a whole nother line of thought that says, what about it, parents? What are you raising? Are you trying to raise children that they look real perfect and they look real tall? But the truth is, inside they're weak. Their faith is weak. Their character is weak. Their perseverance is weak. And so a parent says, well, I don't want to do that. What, what do I need to do? You need to allow your child to suffer some. You need to allow your child to go through some hard times and not rescue them all the time, but instead say, you know what? I'll walk with you during this hard time, but you need to grow through this. You need to persevere through this. That's life challenges, life struggles. It's even life's chores. Your kid needs to do some things pretty regularly, like probably daily, that they don't like to do. Just for the simple reason that you are trying to grow a child that is strong. You're trying to develop them. Now, the heavenly father is trying to grow children that's strong. What's one of the things he'll do? Read from the beginning of the Old Testament to the end of the New Testament. And now look all throughout time since the New Testament closed about 2,000 years ago. And what do we see over and over? We don't ever see God apologizing for suffering. Why? Why doesn't God look at suffering as a negative thing? Romans 5 and 3, he explains it this way. And not only that, but also glory in tribulations. Noticing, knowing that tribulations, notice this word produces. Tribulation produces. Who produced this piece of furniture? Who produced this carpet? Now, you look at this and say, all right, if tribulations and we glory and remember the word this morning, rejoicing, what are you going to boast in? What are you going to glory in? Can you imagine glorying in tribulations? Well, yes, if we know that it makes something, what does it produce? Perseverance. And what does perseverance produce? Character. And what does character produce? Hope. Now, hope that does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we glory in this tribulation. It's a really tough time. Or we could shake our fists and say, God, if you're a loving God, why are you letting me go through this difficult time? Or we could say, isn't it wonderful that God is going to walk through me with me during this difficult time so I can persevere? Because I know that whenever I persevere, it builds my character. And when my character is built, now my hope is built. I've done all of this because I trust what God has said. Now, we're right back to the fact. Do you believe in God? Do you believe God? If you believe God, you're going to change your thinking about suffering. Now, if you want to just live life based on your own emotions and you want to live life based on your own eyesight, you're not ever going to view suffering the way God views suffering. And so the idea is, do you believe God? Because our view of suffering is going to be completely different if we believe God. Peter would say it this way in 1 Peter 2 and 20. This is where he's going to talk about to a servant that, that's going to go through punishment 
And, and what if they did it like based on fault of their own? Uh, look in the middle of verse 20. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Instead of apologizing for suffering, God said, oh, that's one reason why I sent Jesus to the earth was to show you how to suffer. And now your job is to go through life. And when you go through times of suffering, follow in his footsteps. Go through suffering the way he did. And if so, then we would be individuals of perseverance. We would be individuals of character. You know what character is? Character is when someone goes through something really tough and they still remain the person they should be. They go, go through the best of times and they still remain the person they should be. Trials, persecution, or trials, perseverance, character, and it builds hope. We're not going to strongly develop this one, so you might want to jot it down because we don't have time to strongly develop it. But do you remember 1 Corinthians, this 10th chapter, in verse 12 and 13? No temptation in 13 has overtaken you except such as common to man. Now notice this next part. But God is faithful. In other words, do you believe him? When he tells you what he's going to do in the times of your temptation... In the times of trials, do you believe him? Well, what does he say that he is going to do? He'll not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I don't know exactly how God does all this, but I believe God. God has the power of evil on a chain, so to speak. And he knows how much you can handle and he will not allow evil to overtake you. He will always hold evil back so that you will not have more upon you. What you and at the same time that's happening, God says, by the way, I'll also offer you a way of escape. So just know when you're in the midst of being tempted by evil, there's not more upon you what you stand. I will offer a way of escape. You can bear it. Ooh, I don't know if I believe that. Well, Paul says that's why I put in the middle there, God's faithful. You've got to decide. It comes down to you believe God's faithful or not. If you believe God's faithful, you believe what he says. I believe God. Or, you know, I don't believe God. I believe God's let more come upon me than what I can stand. I don't believe God gave me a way of escape. I, I had to do that. Well, you got to decide. Do you believe God or do you not believe God? So why evil? Let me leave you with just a few concluding thoughts here. And, and they're not really in an order. This is pretty random. Number one. Evil is transgression and sin against God. Atheists don't get to define what evil is for Christians. Now, an atheist with their societies and stuff, that's fine for them to define it however they want. But for us as Christians, they don't get to say because they don't believe in the God who is the standard of what is right, therefore identifies what is evil. Number three, life is temporary. That'll help me understand a whole lot about suffering. Number four, suffering can enhance spiritual life. If that's challenging to you, you need to jot that down. You need to meditate upon this, that this week. Do you really believe that suffering can enhance spiritual life? And if so, then you have your answer. Why would God allow you to suffer? I'm not trying to oversimplify it. I'm telling you that's powerful. If you believe that suffering can enhance your spiritual life, and if you listen to God, you'd believe it because he says it will. So then you say, I, I don't understand why you suffer. Just listen to God. He wants you to be stronger. 
And so he is going to let you suffer. 2 Corinthians 12, he didn't remove the thorn out of Paul's flesh because he wanted him to grow stronger spiritually. He knew that if he removed the thorn, that there was a good chance that he was going to become full of pride. Instead of growing spiritually, he was going to fall away spiritually. And now notice number five, suffering can't take away your victory. Believe that. It can't. Your response to suffering could take away your victory. But suffering cannot take away your victory. And then number six, a big mistake we make is when we think this earth is the best that God can do. The best that God's going to offer is into eternity. Heaven is the best. God never intended this earth to be heaven. I'll close with 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Whatever you're going through, I encourage you tonight not to lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So the outside man is suffering. The outside man's going through a lot, but the inside man is just getting stronger and stronger spiritually. Wait a minute. You're telling me in the midst of suffering, this person is growing spiritually? Absolutely. Anybody that stays in step with Jesus while they're suffering, they always grow spiritually. It's a promise from God. So let's keep reading. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, because this earth is temporary, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That is a beautiful description of some of the things that we would ask about a loving God allowing us to suffer. And a part of it is definitely addressed there. After last week, I received an email and, and I won't share the name, but I asked the person if I could just share a little bit of the facts without sharing the name. And they said that would be great. And the email talked about how tough it was at one point in their life into a recent time dealing with suffering. And the individual said, the craziest thing is that I didn't even realize that I felt that way. I knew that my relationship with God wasn't what it needed to be. And I was struggling with believing in anything because of everything that went on. And then something that Bud taught me, Bud Lambert, our, our counselor has helped so many of us. He said, Bud taught me to do is to change my understanding of what is good. It's not easy to do, especially in the middle of the situation, but it is so awesome to see how God uses the suffering to help me and others grow closer to him. I so totally feel like a different person with that knowledge and outlook. It is amazing. I don't know what I need in my life exactly. And you don't know what you need in your life exactly. But there's one in heaven that does. And not everything that happens to us is according to his will. 
Because remember, we're living a world that's controlled by people's choices. But he will make sure that nothing happens to us that is beyond our limits of faith. And he'll make sure that whatever happens to us in suffering, that he will offer us the strength to not only walk through it, but to grow stronger as we do. I want to encourage you tonight to not look at suffering as it's the end of my rope. God must not love me. Instead, I want to encourage you to look at suffering as this is a time to depend upon God even more. And God's going to strengthen me and bless me during this time. Tonight, if we can help you in any way, 